Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the BizCast. I'm Shannon King. Is it just me or has this been the longest week in recent memory? Uh, With all the political turmoil going on and a pandemic that continues to rear its head, it's hard to stay focused and positive. But as you'll hear in this episode, there's a lot to look forward to and there's important work to be done, particularly in our state, to begin rebuilding our economy better and stronger than it was even before the pandemic. And that work begins at our state capitol. The 2021 legislative session opened on January 6th, outside in parking lots, no less. This session will be unlike any other in that it's exclusively virtual, which will make some parts of the legislative process easier and other parts of it more difficult. You can watch and participate in a committee meeting or public hearing from anywhere, and legislators have become much more accessible online. But those in-person conversations and meetings are much more difficult to coordinate. In this episode, I talked to CBIA's government affairs team. It's a little different than our other podcasts, so I'll introduce you to each of our teammates, and then I'll let them tell you what top issues are most important to them this session, how the business community can stay involved to make their voices heard, and how we can begin to rebuild Connecticut. To start, I talked to Eric Getty, Vice President of Government Affairs. I asked him how CBIA is incorporating our Rebuilding Connecticut pledge into our advocacy efforts this session. So CBIA asked state lawmakers um, and other public officials to sign the Rebuild Connecticut pledge in the fall and last summer. So how is the pledge being utilized this session, this legislative session, as it relates to CBIA's uh, policy priorities? Well, the Rebuild Connecticut uh, pledge that we had lawmakers sign on to has really become our agenda uh, going into the 2021 legislative session. Um, It was a great tool back in the fall um, to build a relationship with potential incoming legislators um, and get a dialogue going about very early in the in the fall about what it is that the state needed, small steps that the state needed to take to start really moving our economy forward so that we could emerge from this pandemic uh, almost in a better shape than we entered into it. And, and so um, again, you know, after the election, we continued that conversation with many of those lawmakers who were very excited to, uh, to work on some of these issues. And we're already seeing that really play out um, during the proposed bill stage of the legislative process, which is where we are uh, right now at the very beginning of session. Um, we're seeing a lot of lawmakers contacting us looking for additional details so that they can submit bills um, in their respective committees reflective of those Rebuild Connecticut pledge points. And, you know, as we move along down the session, um, this same pledge will be a great tool for us um, to, again, start that conversation with lawmakers, say, hey, remember, um, you pledged on to these ideas and, you know, now we need to hold you accountable to that. And so it's going to be a tool uh, that we, you know, used sort of uh, in the fall, you know, before the election season, going into the election season, and now will carry us right through uh, to the end of the legislative session. Awesome. So can you uh, go over, you know, really high level, um, what are the areas that the pledge covers, public policy areas, I should say, that you, that CBIA is focused on this session? Yeah, they, all of the p- p- pledge points really fall into uh, to five 
key buckets, uh, areas that we thought were very important to focus on in order uh, to, to make Connecticut a better place for business. Um, number one, of course, workforce development. That's something that uh, CBI has always been focused on, but you know, really looking at uh, some key issues there this year. Um, you know, we know there are financial uh, uh, issues in the state, um, and certainly the pandemic didn't help that. Um, so we want to make sure that we are uh, focusing on taxpayer return on investment. Um, our cities, uh, urban renewal, our cities certainly uh, need some additional attention. We need to make those them thrive uh, because when our cities do well in Connecticut, Connecticut does well. Infrastructure investment, um, it's something that uh, the legislature has been looking at for several years now. And we all can agree that we need to invest in uh, the state's uh, uh, transportation infrastructure and, and not just transportation infrastructure, but infrastructure as a whole. But we really need to uh, come up with a bipartisan plan there to move that forward. And then finally, some small business relief, particularly, particularly tax relief. And, and so those are the five key buckets, the workforce development, taxpayer return on investment, urban renewal, infrastructure investment, and then finally, small business relief. Now that session has just begun, um, it's been in session for about a week. Um, what are the biggest issues that you are focused on? I know you cover a uh, labor and employment committee. Um, so what are the biggest things that you personally are focused on this session? Certainly a lot of issues across all the different legislative committees. Um, you know, I, as you said, I cover labor and employment for CBIA, but I'm also in charge of tax policy for CBIA. And of course, that the budget, it is a budget year. We're looking forward to seeing what the governor will be putting forward for his budget. We're very pleased to say or to hear him say on a number of cases cases that we're we're not looking at or he's not looking to propose any major new taxes. And I think that's critically important for the state of Connecticut. You know, we all understand that there are projected, uh, you know, north of four billion dollar deficits in the in the upcoming biennium. And we are going to have to tackle that. And that's a, that's a very serious matter. So, of course, that's the one major issue that we'd like to see uh, to dealt with uh, without major tax uh, increases. And, and that will be a struggle and uh, something that all the sides are going to need to come together to work on. In terms of the Labor Committee, you know, one of the key things that I, I really like to focus on is, is obviously unemployment. You know, this is the un- state's unemployment trust fund obviously has proven over the last uh, year to be a critical safety net for uh, for the state's workforce. And, you know, we just like we did back uh, in the 2008-2009 recession, um, we've had to borrow some significant money from the federal government. Uh, to ensure that everyone who deserves their unemployment payments um, continue to receive those. And so uh, we, uh, you know, while the state takes on the loan, it's actually the business community and the business community alone that has to pay it all back. And we really want to start looking at some serious reforms in the state so that going into the next uh, economic downturn, um, our trust fund is in better shape than it was uh, going into the, the current downturn that we, we find ourselves in today. And we really need to start focusing on some unemployment benefit reform. And I'm talking about some very simple things that a lot of our neighboring states have already done. Now, one very easy thing we could do is in increase the earnings threshold for people, uh, the, what they need to earn in order to qualify for unemployment benefits. So in Connecticut, 
in order to qualify for unemployment benefits, you need only earn $600 in the course of an entire year. And that has been the case, the same exact threshold that has been on the books since 1968 has not adjusted upward by a single penny. You know, most states are between four and $5,000 in earnings before you can qualify for unemployment. In some states like Washington state, for example, it's $9,000 in earnings before you can qualify for unemployment benefits. We really need to adjust it upwards. You know, we're, we're looking for around the $5,000 mark. Um, we think that would be a good place uh, for Connecticut to be just given it is a high wage state. Other simple things, make sure that people have to, uh, in all cases, exhaust their severance before they start collecting unemployment. And then also, even in the last recession, as we had borrowed you know, more than a billion dollars from the federal government, the maximum unemployment benefit rate, so the maximum benefits you can receive each week, continued to go up every year by $18. That's what it's allowed to go up uh, under uh, Connecticut law. It continued to go up every year. So as we're trying to dig ourselves, uh, you know, climb out of a hole, we're also at the same point digging ourselves deeper, making it harder for us to uh, to, to pay off that debt. So we would like to see uh, that maximum unemployment uh, benefit be frozen for uh, at least a few years. And it, it, taken all together, these three reforms, even if you add them all together, nobody would lose benefits under these things. They would just be frozen at the status quo until our unemployment fund was in a little bit better shape. And so we think these are reasonable courses of action to take in order to uh, to help make it so we have a, a more stable trust uh, unemployment trust fund for future uh, workers that become unemployed through no fault of their own. Last thing I want to ask. So this is the first ever virtual session for the Connecticut General Assembly. How is this going to change the way your team at CBIA works? And how can our members still stay informed in this virtual environment? That is a great question. And, you know, it's been something we have been uh, struggling with and planning for all summer long, really. And, you know, it's going to have its advantages and it's going to have its disadvantages. You know, number one, of course, is that, you know, you don't get the benefit of those uh, all day long at the Capitol um, one-on-one interactions, both with uh, other interest groups and other uh, organizations or the lawmakers themselves because the Capitol is shut down. We are not allowed uh, in the building. So again, um, that is another reason that this whole Rebuild Connecticut uh, campaign that we have engaged in in this relationship building even before the elections and into, you know, through the winter and, uh, uh, that, that we've been engaged in all along is so important. We're building those relationships and making sure that we can reach those legislators, uh, whether it's through text, whether it's through, you know, uh, video calls that uh, everyone's been doing. Um, and just making sure we have those relationships uh, because we are not going to be able to just walk up to folks in the Capitol the way we used to uh, to get our business done. Uh, um but at the same time, there's a lot of aspects that uh, are, are time savers. You know, you would, so there's some days at the state capitol as a lobbyist where you're waiting around all day just to catch one person to have a conversation. Well, there is none of that waiting anymore. Um, you know, now it's, you know, you call that person or you email them and, you know, try to get them uh, to respond that way. You're not waiting outside of a chamber for them to come out for a break. Um, you know, it's just, you're going to have to rely on, uh, the various forms of communication, uh, to get your point across. 
but I think what you, the other part of your question is how do people stay informed? Well, I think it's, I think, you know, staying informed is probably more important this year than ever to ensure uh, transparency in the process. You know, uh, I hope CBIA members uh, in, in business uh, people in general are really paying attention this year. You know, when we call out uh, for help, we put out an alert that a, a, a big issue is happening or, or moving at the Capitol. Now more than ever, we need your help to contact your legislator and speak out. Um, because again, we just don't have the access that we, we, we had, uh, every other year. And so it's critically important that, uh, people, uh, continue to monitor what we put up on CBIA.com, what we put on our social media channels. And when we call out looking for help, you know, know that it, it's serious, uh, and, and we need to make sure, um, uh, people get active and stay uh, communicating with their lawmakers because big things can happen and, and we want to make sure that everyone knows what's going on as it, as it is happening. Next, I talked to Ashley Zane, Government Affairs Associate, who told me what issues she's most focused on and why it's important for the business community to pay attention. So this session, I'll be covering appropriations, so the spending and the budget side uh, higher Education and Employment Advancement, the Commerce Committee, and the Environment Committee, this go-around. And then also just touching in with general law and education, because education and higher ed, they just tie in together. Okay, awesome. So, I mean, what are, out of all of those issues, what are the biggest issues that um, you are going to be focused on for the business community or... Um, even the ones that you see that are popping up that are going to be um, really big initiatives for CBIA to speak out about this session? Yeah, so obviously the budget, we all know what's happened with the budget in the past and a lot of the structural deficits that have been going on. So what we're really going to be looking at is trying to find efficiencies within the budget to try to cut costs and hopefully cut down on the deficit. And, you know, that really ties into our Rebuilding Connecticut pledge points and just trying to find better efficiencies where we can also use nonprofit organizations to deliver services and maybe streamline and use technology where we can. I think the pandemic has really shown that state government can be efficient from home and using these kind of technologies and then they'll also cut costs. So that'll be really big and also provide just more stability within our state and our state budget, which is always good for businesses. Um, and higher education and workforce development, which also kind of goes into commerce, the Governor's Workforce Council put together a whole bunch of recommendations, um, ranging from having high school students fill out FAFSAs um, to guided pathways in education so that kids earlier on can start to see all of the different career avenues that are out there instead of just, you know, your classic um, university or four-year institution, you know, maybe going to the trades. So really starting that out earlier on. Um, and for us, that's really what we were looking for, especially with our rebuilding policy point and tailoring a workforce development program around these um, the trades and bioscience and biotech areas that have a real need for employment. Um, and then lastly, the Environment Committee, I think this year is going to be really big. Um, the Transportation Climate Initiative is going to be one of the governor's um, key policy points. So we're going to be looking for more information on that. And then really waste management, because that's a huge issue 
for our state right now, we've got a plant that's going to be closing down and the cost could be huge to businesses and residents. So are there any bills that you've seen so far that could help with increasing the workforce into Connecticut? In a bunch of committees between higher education, general law, um, the Veterans Affairs Committee, they're really trying to push for not reciprocity for licensing, but at least some flexibility when you have out-of-state people trying to move into the state because their spouse is part of the military. And Connecticut, if you're a military spouse, is not someplace that you want to go or it's an attractive state because the barriers to entry into our workforce is so high that Connecticut just doesn't really make the list of top places that you would want to go. So this year, a lot of the committees are putting in bills to allow for out-of-state licenses for military spouses to be accepted within the state, assuming you're you know, you're in good standing with the other states, um, you've paid all your taxes, and you've done what you've had to do to meet the requirements. So this way, at least, you can get back into the workforce quicker. And the other thing with this, too, is a lot of the spouses in the military are female and in areas that we need, we have a need for. So by removing some of these barriers, you're getting more people into the workforce, which is a great thing. Next up, I talked to Wyatt Bosworth, assistant counsel. He's covering health insurance and transportation issues and explains how proposed legislation could impact small businesses. Priority number one really deals with health insurance and specifically health insurance affordability for the business community. One thing CBIA is monitoring very closely are talks surrounding a public option bill that will come out this year. You know, CBIA has been opposed to any form of state-run health insurance in the past, and it seems like um, there's at least steam behind Democratic leaders as well as the Comptroller's Office to uh, reintroduce a public option bill this year. You know, we're also looking at other cost-saving measures that we think could help reduce the cost of health care in Connecticut, um, specifically proposals around a reinsurance program, proposals dealing with benchmarking and codifying the governor's executive order from last year into state law. Um, really taking a look at how the insurance committee passes mandates um, and making sure that we don't pass any additional mandates this year that will only increase the cost of premiums across the state. Um, and also looking at the way we tax and assess our health insurance plans. You know, every year insurance, insurance companies um, are assessed and taxed on premiums, resulting in hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, that's ultimately passed down to the consumer. So uh, we'll be taking a hard look at that as well. Okay. Are there any other issues that you are going to be monitoring in addition to public option? Yeah, the the next big thing really, and this was a part, this was part of the Rebuilding Connecticut Policy Pledge that we distributed to members of the legislature as well as the business community this past fall and summer. Um, You know, finding a, a bipartisan way to move forward with with funding um, our special transportation fund and ensuring that that fund does not go broke in the upcoming years is really a big priority for the business community. Um, Connecticut really needs to find a way to adequately fund um, our transportation projects and, and start putting jobs on the street to upgrade and revitalize our infrastructure system. Um, and that's incredibly important given the fact that 
the incoming Biden administration um, has already signaled that a major uh, transportation funding bill is going to be worked through the pipeline. So Connecticut will likely see, um, you know, billions of dollars come into the state in the next couple of years. And we need to make sure um, we're ready to start dispersing those funds and matching them if need be. Yeah, absolutely. So what what would you say is the biggest argument that CBIA is advocating for in opposition to the public option bill. So it's been touted as this healthcare plan for small businesses, and we have many small businesses as members. So as we're still sort of gauging where our membership is on this issue, what is our biggest concern about this legislation? The past is prologue in a situation like this. We know that the municipal partnership plan that Um, The comptroller has been administering for the past few years, has run multi-million dollar deficits. Um, You know, just in 2019, Shannon, uh, the partnership plan ran a $32 million deficit. And those losses were recouped through the general fund. So ultimately, it was the taxpayers of Connecticut subsidizing the losses of the plan. Um, And we're afraid that uh, with small businesses and individuals and nonprofits, Uh, joining a state plan similar to the municipal partnership plan, that those deficits will only continue. The the proposal that was released last year that we expect to be released this year is is essentially a reduced provider fee schedule. The comptroller would negotiate rates uh, close to Medicare reimbursement rates um, for for the public option plan, and, and that will only destabilize the current medical system infrastructure. Uh, result in a cost shift to private purchases of healthcare, um, and and most definitely result in increased taxes. Um, you know the the partnership plan has been proven as unsustainable, um, and and in addition, it it really provides an unequal playing field for our private insurance carriers in the state. Uh, the comptroller's plan would not be regulated by the Connecticut Insurance Department. Um, they aren't subject to the same regulatory oversight. The 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 same Uh, rate review or approval process, solvency standards, uh, or community rating rules as well. Um, So what we fear here at CBIA, and while while we certainly applaud any efforts to improve access to healthcare and reduce costs, a public option simply isn't the right path forward. It doesn't attack the cost of healthcare. Um, It simply shifts more lives into a state-run program that you know, there's there's sufficient evidence to show that um, it won't it won't be fiscally sustainable. Last but not least, I talked to John Blair, associate counsel. He tells me about employer protections he's monitoring this session. So I'm covering this session: um, energy, judiciary, and banking committees. Banking committee is pretty much monitoring that committee to see what comes out of it. Uh, judiciary committee um, will likely see issues related to liability associated with COVID for businesses, um, erasure of records and anti-discrimination statutes, um, and recreational marijuana will likely be on the plate there too, along with um, workers' compensation issues. And as far as energy goes, um, that committee is facing um, many different proposals that look to decarbonize by 2040 and how we get there. Um, with reliable, cheap, and uh, energy policies that help us to move towards that goal. The workers' comp piece is always something that comes up each session. So there'll be, we're going to see a request to conclude 
uh, workers' comp data in the all-payers claim database, it looks like. There's going to be a push for that. Um, and we also will likely see, or we're watching out for any expansion of the workers' comp program. Um, and so that would be a big issue with regards to ju- the judiciary matters. Um, and on the energy policy side, it's about how are we going to fit into a regional approach when our state um, is, you know, that's that I'm meeting certain renewable goals and how we balance that. Those are the two biggest issues that I'm facing. Yeah, the other states that have legalized marijuana have all put in place employer protections. Uh, we had legislation last year that was considered basically allowing employers to pre and post screen um, for uh, marijuana, especially in industries that were talked that are high risk, those driving trucks, um, construction workers line workers, um, and uh, also there's entanglements for some of our um, members that, you know, have federal contracts like the electric boat in which, um, you know, they, ha- they are required to test. Um, so we just got to balance all of that and make sure whatever other states have done, I think we can glean some legislation from that that will fit well for Connecticut. It's worked well for them, it seems. For the latest Connecticut business news, events, and resources, visit cbia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on LinkedIn and Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.